So in this video, I'm going to share the top <coughs> the top 10 spiritual tools and practices that I use for self-healing and inner transformation and also in helping me connect with my spirit guides. <coughs> Stay tuned for the 10 tools coming up. Hello, beautiful soul. This is Christina Lopes, the heart alchemist, here to help you open your heart, heal your past, and live with purpose. If you're new to my videos, click on that subscribe button and also on the bell so you get notified as soon as I publish new content. And don't forget to follow me over on Instagram where I share weekly tips that you won't find here on YouTube. All right, on to the top 10 spiritual practices and tools. <laughs> now, before I get into the list, I wanna leave a little side note here, ding, ding. <laughs> I wanna leave a little side note here. This is always important when I talk about any kind of spiritual tool or technique. And the side note is this, you have to remember that spiritual tools and practices are to be used as complements in your life, okay? You have to remember that the spiritual tools and the practices, they themselves don't have inherent power per se, okay? The power is within you. <laughs> this is a super important side note to leave because a lot of times people will use spiritual tools and practices. They'll deposit all of the power onto those tools and they themselves feel like they're small, they're powerless, they don't really have a lot of control over their lives. And so they're giving the power, they're putting the power on that specific tool that they're using instead of on themselves, okay? And this is really a crucial key in healing and self-healing and in self-transformation and inner transformation is you have to come to the realization that the power is within you. You have to stand in your power and then the tools and practices, they're wonderful, wonderful to assist you on your path, but the power has to come from within you. If you're walking around thinking you're this really small, puny, powerless little thing and that you need all these tools in order to affect change in your life, you're already starting off on the wrong foot, okay? So inner power is absolutely crucial when working with spiritual tools and practices. And I'll give you an example, a practical example of how this works. I've had clients reach me who come in a really um, state of, and a lot of powerlessness. And so they come and reach me and they think that I'm gonna heal them. <laughs> All right, so they come and they reach me from a place of powerlessness, thinking that the power is in me to heal them. All right, this is a practical example that happens a lot in my work. And the biggest part of my work with clients is actually putting that power back in them. <laughs> putting that power back in them to where they awaken to their own inner power. And that's when the healing and transformation starts. I can't do it for them. I, a client could be seeing me for the rest of their lives that if they, but if they stay in a, in a sense, a place of powerlessness, their healing will never take place. All right. And so what I do with clients when they reach me in this state is the first order of operations is working on that inner power because that's when the healing is going to start. You see, so this is a practical example of what happens 
when you deposit your power outside of you, the, the healing and the inner transformation will never occur no matter how wonderful the technique or the spiritual tool or practice is. Okay. So I wanted to leave this side note here. This is super crucial. You have to be in your power. You have to realize who you are as a spiritual, powerful spiritual being that co-creates your own life. And it's from that place of power that we then start to use these tools and they become a lot more effective when we use them from a position of power. Speaking of your inner power, let that gets us to spiritual tool and practice number one. Okay. And I'm putting it here because it's the most important and it goes kind of in line with what, with what we were just talking about. Uh, spiritual tool number one is intention. Ding, ding, intention. <laughs> intention. So this is kind of a follow-up of what we were just discussing. Your conscious intention is absolutely crucial in any type of inner transformation or inner healing work. Okay. The intention that you put out into the universe is going to make the difference on whether that transformation occurs, whether that healing occurs or whether it doesn't. Okay. So your conscious awareness is extremely power in the transformate powerful in the transformation of your life. All right. So that's why I put this here as the first tool. When you intend to do something, especially when you state it out loud, I like to state intentions out loud a lot because it reinforces the energy of the intention. But regardless of what spiritual tool or practice you use from here on in, in the rest of the list that I describe, make sure to always remember that your conscious intention is one of the most powerful of all of these, because it must come first before you start using all the other tools. Okay. So conscious intention, what you intend to do, what you intend to accomplish, what you intend to heal, what you intend to transform. That's the starting point of using any of the other tools on this list. But let me go into the alchemy part of this because it's a great way for us to understand why intention, why is it so powerful? Why is intention powerful? <laughs> the reason that intention is so powerful is because your conscious mind, whatever you focus on, you bring energy to it. All right. And the common example that I give to people all the time is if I ask you to close your eyes and start thinking about your pinky finger, <laughs> if I ask you to close your eyes and start thinking about your pinky finger with your eyes closed, it'll take you maybe 20, 30, 40 seconds, but eventually with sustained concentration on your pinky finger, you're going to start to report certain sensations. And usually what people say is I'm feeling tingling. I'm feeling heat. I'm feeling sensation. I'm feeling buzzing vibration. There's, there's a bunch of different signs that people will say, uh, when we do this, this exercise from an alchemy perspective and from an energy perspective, what's happening here is my conscious awareness to my pinky is drawing energy to it. And the more energy I draw into a specific location, the higher the probability of that healing to occur because it takes energy for inner transformation and healing to occur. All right. This is one of the cornerstones of energy. Alchemy is you must have energy in order to transform something. Okay. 
And so that's why conscious intention is super, super important, but it's more than just conscious intention. It's kind of a continuation also of what we were just talking about in the beginning of the video. When I said that you have to be in your inner power, understand your power, be in that power, because the more you are in your power, the more powerful the intention is going to be. All right. So if I'm in a place of, of powerlessness, if I think I'm really small and then I'm trying to heal something. Okay. Let's say I'm trying to heal something. And I say, and I sit in meditation and I say to the universe from my powerlessness, I say to the universe, I really want to heal this. I really, really please. I really need to heal this. <laughs> okay. If it's, if that intention is coming from a place of powerlessness, it's less effective. Even though I am consciously intending to heal something, I'm not in my power. So intention goes deeper in the sense that it goes down lower. And the reason that I'm pointing down is because intention is very, very interconnected with power and power is located in your third chakra. Ding, ding the solar plexus. Okay. Your solar plexus is your center for personal power and will. And that center has to be developed in order for your conscious intentions to be more powerful in the world. Okay. So your inner power is located in the solar plexus, but there's also an important part that has to do with power, but it's not exactly that. And, and it is your self image, your image of self as an independent individual in this universe or in this world. Okay. That self image, that sense of self is also extremely important in healing because the more I am grounded in my own self image and the more that I feel confident, the more that I'm in my power and that I know who I am, the more powerful the intention to heal or to transform is. Okay. So this solar plexus is absolutely crucial when it comes to this tool of intention. I'm not going to get too deep on how to develop the, the, the third chakra because I've talked about it in a separate video. I'm going to leave links to that video in the description box below in case you're struggling with powerlessness and you want to find out how to develop the, the solar plexus. I'll leave links to that video so you can watch it after this one. The second tool is sacred smoke. <laughs> now you saw me being silly in the intro with, with all my smoke, but I actually do use smoke a lot in my spiritual practice. So, so much. And it's because I have a lot of shamanic energy in my soul history. And so I really identify with shamanism. Sacred smoke has been used in shamanic cultures for thousands upon thousands of years. And it is one of the most effective energy purifiers there is. So I love using sacred smoke. Um, so even though I was being silly in the intro, I actually use this as a tool. It's a really important tool in my arsenal and my spiritual uh, toolbox. And so what sacred smoke means is that it, it could be really simple as you having some kind of smoker in your house. I love to use Palo Santo. So Palo Santo is my go-to um, a tool for smoke, for, for, uh, getting smoke going. And it's because I use the really thick sticks of Palo Santo. And the reason is, is because the smoke doesn't become overwhelming to me. Okay. So sometimes if you get, there's those smokers that are actually made out of herbs like sage and you just dry tie dried sage up together and you make these really thick smokers. When you light that baby up, it smokes a lot. And so those smokers made out of sage are of actual 
um, dried herbs. Those smokers, I'm not saying they're not effective, I just don't like using them indoors because it creates too much smoke and then I can't breathe. <laughs> okay, but maybe you can use those big smokers, those sage smokers, the ones that make a lot of smoke. You can use those for outdoors. That'd be a great idea. Okay, so I'm not against it. I just love using Palo Santo because it smokes slowly and so it doesn't overwhelm me in the house, okay? And so I love using Palo Santo, that's my favorite one, but you can use an incense stick, you can use anything you want, herbs like I just talked about, a little bush of, of sage or other herbs. Uh, different traditions have different uses for smokers. Pick whichever one you want to use, whichever one you feel intuitively guidance, guided to use. And then what I do with the Palo Santo, I usually use it at night because I use smoke a lot uh, when I'm working with the energy of divine feminine and feminine energy is the energy of night. Masculine is the energy of day. So I use smoke a lot at night in my night, my night routine. I'll just light up the Palo Santo and right before I do my meditation, I'll move the Palo Santo around me in all directions around my body as I'm invoking my guides and asking for my energy system to be purified in all directions of time. That's literally what I say. I just invoke my guides and I ask for my entire energy system from head to toe to be cleared in all directions of time. All right. And I do that a few times around my body from head to toe. I'll move the Palo Santo and then I just put the Palo Santo to the side. It'll usually stop smoking by itself. So I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, um, put it under water or anything like that. I just put the stick on a table, it'll smoke out by itself, and then I sit down and I do my meditations or I do whatever it is I was, I'm doing in that nightly routine. I use smoke a ton in ceremonies and all kinds of, uh, of things. Sacred smoke is, especially when that sacred smoke is infused with your intention. <laughs> when it's infused with your intention, it becomes a really powerful energy purifier. Speaking of using smokers for ceremony, that's actually the third spiritual tool I have for you, and it's ceremony itself, okay? I use ceremony a lot, and what ceremony means, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get all woo-woo if you don't want to, okay? So a lot of times when people talk about ceremony, they think that the person is talking about this really elaborate thing where you're dancing around a fire and you're singing and you're chanting and you're drumming and you're doing all these things. It doesn't have to be that way. A ceremony can be that elaborate. You can make it as elaborate as you want, but you can also make it as simple as you want. And what ceremony does simply from an energy perspective, what ceremony is doing is it's creating an energy vortex in the area where you are conducting the ceremony. So it's almost like you open up this tube of light, this tube of energy that concentrates in the area where you're conducting the ceremony. And again, remember, wherever there's concentration of energy, the more the energy concentrates, the more I will be able to transform and the more that I will be able to heal, okay? So you gotta remember, the more energy, the higher the potential for transformation. I can move more energy, I can transform more things, I can uh, unblock things in me, the higher the concentration of energy, and ceremony is great at doing that. Ceremony for me is really simple. I seldomly do really elaborate ceremonies. So 
Usually what I got going on in my house is I'll have a table, it'll have some, um, it'll have some candles, it'll have, um, I usually have a, ta a, a plate out with shells and, and beautiful things that I collect from nature. I love kind of collecting things from nature and I, I use those in my, in my ceremony altar, what's called an altar. And I just put those beautiful, beautiful things that I can collect, collect from nature to help kind of bring in the nature element for other people they have pictures of gurus that they enjoy they have statues of saints or statues of goddesses like Kali or Durga or a statue of Jesus or a statue of a Christian saint it doesn't really matter the point is you're creating an area in your house where that ceremony is going to be conducted and that concentration of energy occurs all right so that's simply what ceremony means is you're just creating a, a physical beautiful space you can have a vase with flowers for instance you're just just creating this beautiful space in which this energy is going to be concentrated and there's going to be higher potential for transformation. There are two main reasons why I use ceremony and I want to talk about them because one of the one of the, the, the things that I use for ceremony, it's not used very often so I want to leave this note here for you for you to start using ceremony in this way if you feel inclined. So the first way in which I use ceremony is to ask for help. Okay, this is the most common use of ceremony actually. Um, it, and that is when I'm going through a block, I'm going through a difficulty, I'm, I'm having issues resolving it on my own. And so I open ceremony and I ask, I invoke my guides, I invoke my spirit team and I ask for this specific situation to be resolved. I ask for assistance on this specific situation, okay? And this is usually the most common, common way in which ceremony is used. We usually connect more with the spirit world when we're in trouble and we need help, okay? Unfortunately, but I'm going to teach you how not to do that, okay? So no problem connecting when you need help, no problem at all. So that's the first way when you need to ask for help conducting a ceremony there, no problem at all. But here's the second way to use a ceremony. And this is, this is what I'm hopeful that you can start using in your life because it's very transformative. The second use for ceremony is celebration. <laughs> celebration, specifically gratitude, ding, ding. So instead of just using ceremony and, and connecting with the spirit world only when things are going bad in your life, why not do it when things are going wonderfully in your life? When you receive so much abundance, when you have great news, when, when something wonderful happens in your life, this, this use of ceremony is actually very traditional. Shamanic cultures do this all the time. So you'll see tribes around the world that when a new baby is born, they'll have a celebration, they'll have a ceremony for that baby, you see? So they're using ceremony when wonderful things are happening. We've just lost that a little bit more in the modern world. We only seek help from, from spirit when we need it, right? And when things are going well, we just forget about, you know, everything's going well. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, uh, even connect with spirit or anything like that. But when you use ceremony for celebration, what it does is again, it reinforces the energy. So if you do a ceremony for it, let's, let's get a practical example. Let's say you do a ceremony, you just got a new job or you just got promoted and you're so excited because you were just waiting for this promotion. It's just so beautiful. It's so wonderful. You're so excited. You're going to make so much more money. You're going to have a different role and you're just really excited about it. Do a ceremony for this. Just light up some candles, some Palo Santo, invoke your guides, connect to your source and say, thank you so much. I am so grateful for this beautiful blessing that has been bestowed upon me. I am so grateful 
Thank you, thank you, thank you to the benevolent universe that works with me and that always provides. You see, can you see just by me saying this, the energy that's coming from me by just saying these words? When you do a ceremony that's, that's specifically geared towards gratitude for something wonderful that has happened to you, you amplify energy and you increase the likelihood that more wonderful things are coming, okay? So this is the second use of a ceremony. It's one that I absolutely love and I highly recommend you start using in your life. Spiritual tool number four is decrees. <laughs> I love decrees. Uh, decree, I use them all the time. I use them a lot with clients. They're very transformative for my clients as they have been for myself. Decrees are basically like prayers or mantras, okay? And I, I have, I use a four-part decree um, that, that makes the decree even more powerful, all right? So you can think of a decree like a prayer, but you're going to specifically write this decree for yourself, specific to whatever issue you're working on, whatever, um, whatever intention you have, all right? So, but think of it like a prayer. And what you're gonna do with the decree is, you're gonna write it out, and I'm gonna share with you the four parts of the decree so you know exactly how to write this decree out. And then what you're gonna do is, you're gonna literally chant it. So you're gonna repeat the decree at least three times, but usually more. You're gonna keep repeating and repeating the decree once you've written it, maybe during a ceremony even, maybe during meditation, okay? And so what you have to remember about this is that the chanting, that's why chanting, there's such an old tradition of chanting on the planet because repetition does the same thing that some of the other tools I was talking about do. And that is repetition creates more energy. It amplifies energy. It focuses energy. And so the more you repeat your decree, the more concentrated and powerful the energy becomes. I'm not going to give you an exact number that you need to repeat. You're just going to intuitively work with this on your own, but just remember, repeat the decree at least three times during whatever ceremony or whatever prayer uh, circle you're doing. Repeat the decree at least three times, but maybe a lot more so that you reinforce the energy of what you are praying about, okay? So here are the four parts of the decree that I love to use. The first one is to identify yourself, okay? Now, when I mean identify yourself, I'm not saying uh, to say, you know, I, Christina. No, no, it's not an identifying on a human level. It's identify yourself on a soul level. So the decree will start like this, I, comma, identify yourself, yourself on a soul level. So for example, I like to use in my decrees, I'll use ancient one or old soul or light worker or uh, light being. <laughs> you see, these are different ways in which I like to identify myself on a soul level. Okay. This, these are just some examples, but you're going to come up with whatever your soul identifies with. The point is the first part of this decree always starts with I comma, light worker, old soul, however you want to identify yourself and it'll come to you intuitively. Okay. So that's part one of the decree. Identify yourself on a soul level. Part two of the decree is the gratitude piece. Okay. Here I come with gratitude again. Gratitude is extremely important in healing. 
And so the second part, what you're going to do is you're going to specifically state the things that you are grateful for pertaining to the issue that you're writing the decree about. So for example, let's give a classic example. Let's say you are trying to heal all of the hurt that's been caused by a recent breakup that you had with a partner, with a former partner. Okay. And so you you're writing your decree because you want to heal from all this pain. And so you identify yourself. I, you know, uh, light worker or I old soul part two gratitude. I am extremely grateful for all of the lessons that my ex partner has shown me. And you can, you can start to actually state the ways you in which which you are grateful for that ex-partner, even if the, the relationship was toxic and that you had a lot of painful things in that relationship, find something to be grateful for pertaining to that subject. Okay. So that's part two is gratitude. Really important. Then part three, most important part of the decree. And that is the intention. We've already talked about intention. Okay. So in the third part of this decree, you're stating your intention. So you've already identified yourself. You've already said the things that you're grateful for pertaining to that subject. And now in part three, you're going to say your intention. And it's usually something as simple, but as strong as these, as these words, I intend to heal this situation in all directions of time now. Okay. So there's, there's a really clear, easy intention. I intend to heal this blank situation in all directions of time right now. Okay. So there's your part three, your intention. And then part four of the decree is the closing of it. And that is when you just close the prayer. Okay. And you can close it with something as simple as saying it is done or, and so it is. Okay. That that's how I close my decrees was just something as simple as it is done. All right. I close that energy. I close that loop so that it creates more certainty in what I'm trying to heal. All right. So these are the four parts of a decree. I use decrees during ceremonies. I use decrees whenever I feel called to write one to help move energy that may be a little bit stuck in me or a situation that I need to resolve. All right. So there's another practice that I love. Spiritual tool number five is tarot. <laughs> People ask me all the time if I use tarot cards. Um, a lot of times I receive questions from people who are coming from a Christian background and who are now getting into spirituality and they're really scared to use these divination tools because apparently biblically all these things are considered of the devil. And so a lot of times I receive questions from people who have religious programming and they're now getting into spirituality and they're a little bit fearful of working with these tools. Tarot is one of them, but I love tarot. Okay. There's nothing evil about tarot. Uh, all these divination tools, all these spiritual tools are wonderful when used appropriately. What, right? Like you can use an, you can use a spiritual tool with really negative energy, or you can use a spiritual tool with positive energy. The side note here on that is the use of black magic or the use of inappropriate use of spiritual tools in this new energy is just, it's not allowed anymore. And there could be very severe repercussions for using, uh, um, negative intentions to create certain things. Okay. So I just want to leave that randomly just dropped on my head right now, but it's an important side note. I know you would never use any spiritual tool with, with, uh, bad intentions, with negative intentions toward another person. Um, you know, cause if you're part of my audience, you're definitely not into that energy. But just leaving this as a side note that these spiritual tools should never be used with negative intentions, because if they are, the repercussions on you are going to be really bad. So don't even do it. <laughs> okay. So don't do it. But that, that was kind of a side note. 
tarot I use a lot to help me clarify things and to help, it's another way of providing guidance when I could be a little bit blocked in receiving it through direct download, okay? So I use tarot all the time. I use oracle cards or what's called oracle cards and I use the traditional tarot also. Now, the thing about tarot is you have to remember, again, a reminder, it's not the cards that have the power, it's you, okay? And when you're working with tarot, one of the most important rules with working with tarot is to ask open-ended questions, okay? Tarot responds, you get much better answers if you ask open-ended questions where you are not emotionally attached to a specific outcome. Ding, ding. <laughs> if you're trying to use tarot to kind of force a certain answer from the cards because you're totally emo emotionally attached, it's gotta be that outcome, then you're, you're already screwing up the tarot reading, you're already messing with it and you're not gonna get an accurate read. So if you want to use tarot readings, if you wanna use tarot cards, ask open-ended questions so you give flexibility to your guides to be able to answer in the best possible way for you. So try not to ask uh, a yes-no questions. Here's, I'll give you some examples of what great questions are for tarot. So if you have a specific topic that you're struggling with, you can say something like, um, you know, can my cards, can my guides, please show me what I need to know about this situation. Can, can my guides please provide the best guidance regarding this situation right now? You see, open-ended question. I'm not specifically attached to a certain outcome. I'm asking the cards to show me what's in my highest good about this situation right now. What's the guidance? What do I need to see? What are my blind spots? What am I not seeing in this situation? You see that these are great examples of open-ended questions. Here's a, here are a couple of examples of, of questions that may not work for tarot because they're too closed and that is when you set the cards and you're like does Joe love me I want to know if Joe loves me and then you set the cards <laughs> again you see you're specifically attached on Joe I can already sense it just by the question and so you're specifically attached on Joe and so again the cards will not reveal a very accurate description or very accurate guidance okay and so, so try to stay away from yes, no questions. Try to ask open-ended questions and release yourself so that you're not sticking to any specific outcome because if you do that, if you're emotionally attached to a specific outcome, the guidance that you receive is gonna be sort of polluted by that, okay? So uh, another tool, I love tarot. I use it almost daily. I like to pull a daily card for myself um, every day as part of my morning practice. So I use tarot a lot, love it, beautiful tool. Spiritual tool number six is crystals. <laughs> I love crystals so much. I've always loved rocks and crystals since I was a little girl. I just love them so much. But crystals, I still use them to this day, but my, my history with crystals, my story with crystals has been really interesting because I used to use crystals as kind of my protectors. <laughs> I used to use crystals as my protectors when I was in a sense of, in a place of powerlessness. You see, we talked about this. When I was in a place of powerlessness and I thought myself really small and weak, I used to use crystals everywhere. I'd put crystals in my pocket, I'd put crystals on my neck, I'd put crystals all over my house. <laughs> and the reason I was doing this is because I thought the crystals would protect me because I felt powerless, okay? 
And then what happened is as I started to develop that third chakra, come into my power and realize who I was on a spiritual level, the more I matured spiritually, the more I came into my power. It's not that I threw my crystals away. I still love them very much, but I use them differently. Now, when I realized that I didn't need to protect myself against anything, ding, ding. Oh my God. I know that this is still a controversial statement to say in spiritual circles, but I'm going to keep repeating it. There is nothing you need protection from beautiful soul. Okay. And I'm not going to get too much into it in, in this video because I actually shot an entire video on why you don't need to protect yourself and what you can do instead. So I'm going to leave links to that video in the description box below. You can watch it after this one if you want to, but you don't need to protect, to protect yourself against anything. And when I started to come into this realization and come into my power, I started to use my crystals differently. So they're still all over my house. I still love them so much, but I use them as compliments. They're like my friends. They're like my companions. I just love them. And, but you see, I'm using them as compliments to my power, as accessories to my power, not as the source of power, protecting little old me from evil. <laughs> okay. You see, you see how my relationship to crystals changed, but Crystals are nonetheless, they are very powerful. Even as compliments, they are beautiful, powerful, powerful beings. Crystals are actually quartz, for instance, is used in all electronic devices. If you have a cell phone, if you're watching this on a cell phone, it has quartz in it. And the reason that crystal that quartz is used heavily in electronics is because it's a conductor of energy. Okay. And so what, what a crystal does is it conducts energy. It holds vibration. It vibrates at a specific frequency and it holds that vibration steadily. All right. This is specifically talking about quartz. So crystals have this beautiful capacity to be conductors of energy, accumulators of energy. And so wherever you have a crystal, you can be sure that the energy accumulates in that crystal and then is spread it out in the environment. All right. So again, I still use crystals. I love them. They're all over the place in my house, but I use them differently than I did before, but I love them nonetheless. Spiritual tool number seven is drumming. <laughs> I love drumming. I use drumming almost every day. I have a really big 55 centimeter shamanic drum at home. Uh, it's a, it's a very big one. I like to use, we use big drums because the bigger the drum, the deeper the sound. And for me, the deeper the sound, the lower you go for everybody. Really the deeper the sound, the lower you go in your chakras. So the deeper a drum, the more I can connect with my heartbeat and with my body. And that's what I use drumming for. Drumming can be used ceremonial as a, a, in a ceremony. So you can drum during ceremony as part of the celebration or as part of the ceremony, but you can also use drumming. And I use drumming a lot to connect me with my feminine energy. Drumming is the oldest feminine tradition on the planet. If you didn't know that <laughs> oldest feminine tradition on the planet is drumming. Okay. Um, so I use it a lot to connect with my feminine energy. I use it a lot to connect with my body. So I, that's why I use drumming a lot at night because after a long day of working where I've been in front of the computer scripting videos for you, or I've, or I've been in front of the camera shooting videos, 
I've been, you know, I've just been working a lot. And then what I do at night is I want to connect with my feminine energy and with that inner stillness more. I want to be in my body and out of my mind. And so I'll start drumming. Sometimes I'll just drum for a minute and that's all that's needed, but I'll drum, drum. And what that does is as I'm listening to the drumming, I connect to my heartbeat. That's what drumming does. It mimics your heartbeat. When I connect to my heartbeat, I connect immediately to my body. And so just by the act of drumming, my mind quiets down. It's like a meditation for me. Okay. So I use drumming in this way. I'll use it in a ceremony or I'll use it just by itself to bring me into my body, to bring me into these lower chakras in preparation for my nightly meditation. Okay. So drumming another crucial tool in my spiritual toolbox. Spiritual tool number eight is bioenergetics. This isn't talked about uh, a lot, but bioenergetics is a beautiful therapy technique that it was actually crucial in my life. I, I started working with bioenergetics when I was already, uh, oh my gosh, when was this? Like, I forget time, but I was already in on my healing journal journey for multiple years, maybe five, six years after my spiritual awakening is when I started to work with bioenergetics. Okay. And bioenergetics came in and really helped me unlock a lot of trauma pertaining to sexual abuse as a child that I still had retained in my body. Okay. So it was a crucial technique for me. It really, really helped me. It helped me break through certain blockages. And what bioenergetics is, it was developed by the American physician and psychotherapist, Dr. Alexander Lowen. And this technique uses deep breathing. So deep breath work with sustained body movements. Okay. And it pairs these two things, breath work and body movement. It pairs these two things in order to unlock trauma and blockages in your body. All right. And it's very, very effective. The side note here that I want to leave on this. So ding, ding, ding side note here is, is for you to remember is that all trauma and all painful experiences are absolutely housed in your body, both from this lifetime or lifetimes before. So sometimes you can have locked in your physical body. You can have trauma from a past life that you didn't even know you had. Okay. And so your physical body houses everything that has ever, ever happened to you as a soul. All right. And a lot of times what, what happens is there'll be energy blockages when you suffer a trauma in your life. As I was talking about what happened to me with, with sexual abuse as a child, I had that so deeply housed in my body that I didn't even have access to it. Even years after my spiritual awakening, I was already an experienced meditator. I was already a coach. I was doing all kinds of things, but I I still had within me trauma locked in my body that I hadn't accessed. And it was only through the use of bioenergetics that I unlocked that. So it, it's, it's, it was a profoundly transformative tool for me. Okay. And so what, what bioenergetics does is usually, uh, you know, I'm shaking because that's one of the, one of the pose positions that you, that's used a lot in bioenergetics. You'll, you'll start shaking your body. So sustained movement and then you're using deep breathing as you're moving and you'll sustain this movement for long periods of time. So sometimes bioenergetics can be actually physically draining because you're supposed to hold this in the same position as you're doing the breath work, sometimes for minutes at a time. <laughs> and it's that sustained position that boom, 
breaks through trauma and breaks through blockages in your body. Okay. So look up bioenergetics, look up some bioenergetics videos on YouTube and start doing, start learning some of the positions of bioenergetics on your own and working with them at home. Or you can look up a bioenergetics therapist in your, in your area, and you can actually go to this therapist and do a bioenergetics session with them. The point here is bioenergetics is extremely powerful, especially if you have had trauma, especially childhood trauma, because childhood trauma tends to be locked away a little bit away from the, from the access from conscious mind. All right. So if you have a history of trauma or painful things that have happened to you, bioenergetics is a beautiful, beautiful spiritual tool that, that really transformed my life. Spiritual tool number nine is breath work. <laughs> Breathwork has also been extremely transformative in my life, not just through the use of bioenergetics. So not just when I do breath work with bioenergetics, but also by itself. Okay. Breath work, deep breathing techniques are absolutely crucial to connect you with your body. So th it works really well for people who dissociate because of trauma or who people, for people who aren't connected to their bodies because they've been through difficult things in their lives. And sometimes what happens is we disconnect from our bodies. And so if you've had any type of trauma or pain like this, breath work is extremely important tool because it can connect you immediately with your body. When you start to do a round of deep breathing, you will immediately come out of your mind and into your body because the increased oxygenation, first of all, the increased oxygenation of deep breathing, it starts to create all kinds of physical sensations. So you can feel tingling all over your body. You can feel all kinds of things happen when you oxygenate your body, when you start doing these deep breathing techniques. So you're going to start to feel it in your body. So that's one way to get you out of your mind and into your body. But deep breathing also helps unlock trauma. That's why it's used in bioenergetics. It helps unlock trauma, unblock energy, get energy flowing in your body and just quiet your mind a lot. All right. So I love deep breath work. Um, I'll usually just do something as simple. I, I like to do, instead of doing the technique myself, what I like to do is I like to look up YouTube videos or Spotify. Sometimes you'll find them on Spotify. I like to look up breathing like a, a round of guided deep breathing. And I'll just put my, my earphones on and I'll just follow the person guiding me through a round of 10, 15 minutes of, of breath work. And I prefer to do it that way than to do it on my own, but you can do it on your own if you want to also. The two techniques that I recommend, my two favorite, uh, deep breath, deep breathing techniques that I recommend. One is the Wim Hof method. Uh, so if you haven't heard of Wim Hof, he's quite a character. His breathing technique is very, very powerful. He's, he's called the Iceman. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's called the Iceman. And the reason he's called the Iceman is because Wim Hof through his own breathing, he can do what looks like miraculous things with his body. Like just be out in the snow in underwear. <laughs> he just, does ridiculous feats with his body just through the use of breath work. Okay. So look up a Wim Hof breathing video and, and do that. That's a great way. Another technique that I love is what's called holotropic breathing. And this was developed by Christina and Stan Groff. Um, they are Stan Groff was a psychiatrist because Christina Groff, a psychotherapist, they're a couple and they, um, they're pioneers in the field of transpersonal psychology. And so they developed holotropic breathing as a way for you to access altered states of consciousness without taking anything or without any substance. Okay. So you're, 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 
you're going into altered states of consciousness naturally just through the use of a deep breathing technique. Okay. So you can look up videos on holotropic breathing also. Now, speaking of substances, that takes us to spiritual tool number 10, which is the use of plant medicine. Now I work specifically with what's known as ayahuasca. She's one of my greatest teachers. Um, I go to an ayahuasca ceremony once, maybe twice a year. So I work regularly with ayahuasca. Again, she's a teacher. She's a plant teacher of mine. Um, but plant medicine goes far beyond ayahuasca. Uh, you can use San Pedro, peyote, um, you can use psychedelic mushrooms. Some people use psychedelic mushrooms and the use of psychedelics is actually increasing a lot in the world. And it's not just being used by, these psychedelics have been used by shamanic cultures for thousands of years, but now it's actually entering mainstream science even. And you know, this makes me super happy because the potential therapeutic use for psychedelics is enormous. So I'm so happy that they're entering mainstream and they're actually entering mainstream. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm so proud of this because they're entering mainstream through my own alma mater, uh, Johns Hopkins university, which is one of the top medical institutions in the world. And it's through this university, my beautiful alma mater of Johns Hopkins that they just opened a new center. It's called the center for psychedelic and consciousness research. It's a, pioneer in the field. It's the, um, it's a pioneer in the field of psychedelics in the U S but it's also the largest psychedelic research facility in the world. All right. And it just opened, I think 2019 very recently. And, um, it opened also with major funding from, uh, the very famous podcaster and the author of the four hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss. So if you've never heard of Tim Ferriss, look him up. Uh, he talks a lot about psychedelics are one of his passions. So he helped fund this research center. And so look up Tim Ferriss, look up his work and you'll, you'll find more information about psychedelics. Okay. So there's a lot of them. They're ent they're starting to enter mainstream science now because of their therapeutic use. I specifically only work with ayahuasca and what you have to remember about plant medicine, especially the ayahuasca's, the San Pedro's, what you have to remember about plant medicine is these aren't substances per se. They're not drugs. Okay. I've had people email me all, you know, pissed off at me saying, they weren't going to follow me anymore because they found out that I used drugs. <laughs> and so I've gotten a couple of emails and people upset at me because I use ayahuasca. So I want to clarify that plant medicine. It's not a drug. All right. Ayahuasca or San Pedro, the other plant medicines, these are not drugs. These are plant teachers. These are spirit teachers that come through you and work with you through the use of, through taking that substance. Okay. So in the, in the, uh, when it has to do with ayahuasca, you're drinking a tea. All right. And in that tea, there are specific compounds that activate within you. And a lot of times, and even in mainstream science, uh, they're studying the compounds as being the, the actual, you know, as having the properties, but it's not the compounds are important, but the compounds help bring through the plant teacher that then works with you. So you're basically through the tea of ayahuasca, you're able to communicate with the plant, with the spirit of ayahuasca. All right. And so that's why I say she's one of my greatest teachers and I go to visit her one once or twice a year. All right. So, uh, plant medicine is, is an extremely, extremely sometimes miraculous thing that you can use in your life. 
It brings you into altered states of consciousness, but also connects you with beautiful plant teachers that can really, really change your life. All right. Now I want to leave a side note here specifically on using ayahuasca because that's what I have experience. in. so I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about a lot of the other ones that I don't have experience in because I don't like to teach. I teach through experience. Okay. So ayahuasca, I've had people email me when they found out that I worked with ayahuasca. I've had people email me saying that they had bought ayahuasca online and they were going to get it in the mail and they were going to drink ayahuasca at home by themselves. <laughs> okay. So please don't do this. This is the side note I want to leave on plant medicine. These the plant medicines have been used for thousands of years. Please treat these with reverence, with respect and with a pure intention of heart. And please try to do them properly, meaning the way that they have been traditionally done, because there's a reason why they've been done that way. All right. So in the, in the case of ayahuasca, this person that emailed me saying they had just, they were going to drink ayahuasca by themselves at home totally out of context. First of all, you don't know where that ayahuasca is coming from or who made it, it. Nothing like that. You don't There's no shaman involved, you see? And so what's happening is that substance is being removed out of its context and it's losing its potential therapeutic effect and it can actually be dangerous. All right. Ayahuasca is traditionally taken in a group, in a ceremony with a shaman. And what you have to remember about these plant medicines is that the shaman is the person that holds anchors the energy for the whole ceremony and for the whole group. So I cannot imagine what would have happened to me if I just popped some ayahuasca alone by myself at home without a shaman, because I've actually had to, to ask for help from my shaman multiple times during a ceremony to help me go through a particularly difficult thing that ayahuasca was showing me. And so I asked for assistance and, and the shaman came over and helped walk me through that. So the shaman is so crucial during a plant medicine ceremony. Okay. So I wanted to leave this side note and this potential warning to please treat plant medicine with the respect that it deserves. If you feel called to work with ayahuasca, if you feel called to work with the plant medicine, please do your research, find the appropriate shaman that you can trust. Don't send me emails asking me for asking me for my shaman or shamans that I recommend. I don't recommend shamans. I work with a private shaman. I do not release his name. And so I'm not going to give recommendations on ayahuasca. I get a ton of emails about that. I don't give recommendations. This is for you to do for you to go out, see where, how the plant wants to show up for you, what shaman shows up for you and go with your intuition, find a shaman that's reputable that you trust and, and do the ceremony, the traditional way, because it's the best way to invoke healing in you. So things don't go sour. Okay. Um, these are very powerful, powerful substances. So you, you want to do it in the right way and that's where the therapeutic benefits occur. Okay. So please treat plant medicines with reverence. All right. And with pure intention, with a pure attention of heart. If you want to learn more about ayahuasca, I shot a whole three video series on ayahuasca. I'll leave links in the description box below. If you feel called to go into plant medicine and to work with plant medicine, as I do, you can watch those videos after this one. All right, beautiful soul. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know in the comments below, which one of these 10 spiritual tools and practices will you be implementing first in your life? Let me know in the comments below. Click here to subscribe to my YouTube channel or head over to my website to download my popular guided meditations. And don't forget these videos that I talked about in this one this is going to be a great continuation of all the stuff you learned in this video. All right, beautiful soul. I love you. I'm out.